I want to welcome Gabby Bernstein um, to the In My Field show, uh, a New York Times bestseller, bestselling author, motivational speaker, spiritual leader, uh, a podcast host of a new podcast, which is just about to launch called Dear Gabby. Um, Gabby has, has, has written eight books, including The Universe Has Your Back, Super Attractor, and her latest, her first audio original, You Are, you Are the Guru, which I love. Uh, Bernstein teaches primarily, primarily from a text, uh, a course in miracles. She teaches practical applications of the course's principles, emphasizing in self-love forgiveness and a holistic approach to spirituality. Um, and how we usually start the show is thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, you know, negativity, positivity, beliefs, conditionings, everything on the inside creates your outside exterior. So my question to you, Gabby, is how are you feeling right now in this moment? I'm feeling very grounded and steady. I'm feeling a little bit of jaw tension, which is the final frontier for me. My jaw is revealing all the kinds of things that I may not be thinking about. And I'm feeling um, relaxed. I just did a meditation prior to this because I meditate um, about 40 minutes a day and I normally at noon, but not today. And I feel super grounded. So wow. here we are. Okay. What's jaw tension? <laughs> I have TMJ. Okay. And uh, which is just really tight jaw tension in the jaw. And for me, I, I have a, I followed the work of John Sarno, Dr. John Sarno, who has a belief system of uh, that physical symptoms are often psychosomatic. The, premise being that the pain, back pain, jaw pain, neck pain, things like that could be uh, impermissible rage or impermissible emotional feelings and disturbances that we haven't yet addressed. I have done a lot of work on myself in my life. And that's why I said, this is my final frontier <laughs> feeling to me. There's just a little more unconscious stuff to clear. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's funny because I had Duncan Trussell on the show and he spoke about, he used to suffer from a ton of back pain but he was also severely stressed and anxious and everything else and how you store those elements in a, as a physical manifestation in your body. Yes, exactly. Um, yes. Uh, so d d just for my own education, what is, what is a course uh, in miracles? Yeah. Uh, a course in miracles is a metaphysical text that was channeled material, most famously known for being brought out by a teacher called Marianne Williamson. She also ran for president. So you might know who she is. And Marianne uh, is probably one of the most beautiful translators of this text. But the, the primary message from A Course in Miracles is that through the experience of forgiveness, you can, ex you can have a miracle, which is a shift in your perception, uh, forgiving your past and your future tripping to be grounded in the present moment of what the course refers to as love and and really recognizing that only love is real. Mm -hmm. So it's a very dense, heavy text. It has 365 days of practices that are really beautiful mental reconditioning practices, all based on that premise. Through the experience of forgiveness, you can return to love. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of operating from that point of view now. Uh, I just finished... Um a book uh, called the, a, a, the book of habits, um, sorry, a, a, atomic habits. Um, and it's amazing because I know you spoke about how to, you know, change a habit by replacing a, a bad habit with a, with a good habit. 
Um, and I hadn't worked out at all during COVID. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just chill. I'm going to, you know, f- go with the flow, be the hollow bamboo on a river. And I loved it. Like I felt healthier than ever. It was, it was my mental state that, that kept me in that he- healthy space. And then I started running because I love running. And my reward was, you know, listening to Abraham Hicks, who I, who I love, and I'm sure you know. And I, so that was my, my reward by, you know, getting rid of a, a bad habit of not running to running was giving myself a reward, which is what you describe. Um, what's your religious background? Just so I can set the precipice of, of the kind of show and the, the, the kind of questions I'm going to ask. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll line up with that. But let me first say that I love that you were running, listening to Abraham. <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, pretty awesome. Sounds quite familiar to me. I work out listening to Abraham a lot. <laughs> so here we go. We have a lot in common. Uh, I have, I was brought up Jewish, uh, currently perceive myself as, uh, I, I love the Jewish traditions, but I'm not quite particularly religious. Uh, although Judaism was my first introduction to spirituality. I, I, it's funny. I often think that the things that we do in our careers are usually shown to us at a very young age at times, particularly entrepreneurs. I, when I was a kid, I would always lead these Jewish youth groups where I was the president of the regional youth group. And I was leading these like spiritual weekends in the temple. (laughs) And, And that was what really lit me up and brought me to life. Hence what I do here now. So uh, that's what Judaism really means to me, which is just this entree into spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I've, um, because I, I'm not religious at all. I wasn't brought up religious. I wasn't any of those things. Um, and it's almost been, you know, the, 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 the mental health aspect of myself when I realized I was accountable for the way I felt. And once I started distinguishing that and when I moved to L.A., I kind of opened up to the spiritual, that spirituality of it. And I'm pretty practical. So I would, you know, put out a thought and see how long it would come back. And I'd start timing my actual manifestations. And I'd be like, oh, that came back super quick because that was an un- unresisted thought. Um, what would be what, what's kind of your definition of manifestation? Because I know there's so many people who speak about it. And I really I, I feel like I can really dive in with you spiritually on what your kind of interpretation of it is. Manifestation is, as you know, in the Abraham language, the absence of resistance. And in that absence of resistance, we realign with our attracting power. So let me put this more simply. Whatever it is that we believe, whatever we think about, whatever we bring energy to, we create more of. When we clean up our thoughts and our feelings and our belief systems, we begin to attract more of what we want rather than more of what we don't want energetically, we, we become a match for what we want. So what we believe we will receive, and that is the process of manifesting, manifesting through the power of intention, the power of belief, the power of thought. But I want to really come back to the word belief, because you could think something a million times, but if you don't believe it, you won't attract it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Manifesting is the natural order. It's the natural law. It's not something that we we one person has and some person doesn't have access to it's like any art you can you can master it you can you can attune to it but the key to manifesting is to feel good yes absolutely i think i think it's the it's the quicker attraction to it is is the feeling behind it but see this is where i always cause some controversy because 
if we talk about manifest, because I always run into people, oh, I manifested that. And I'm like, well, what about that shitty situation in your life? You also manifested that. And they're like, whoa, no, I didn't. That was out of my control. And I think this is where we are as, you know, individuals who believe in this type of practice or this type of thinking, um, openness to it. Would you say, you know, from experience, health, you know, because if you're talking about manifestation, you have to talk about everything to do with it, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the life, the death per se, the attraction to the death. To, I even study like murder victims and how does that person become aligned with someone who wants to do them harm? And then people, it's the accountability factor of it. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that all of our experiences from our past, particularly our childhood experiences, to help establish the energetic belief systems that we hold. We have two choices in life. We can show up for the energetic disturbances from our childhood and heal so that we can, to your point, attract more of what we want to our life, or we can stay stuck in those stories and those beliefs and continue to recreate them in the present and project them onto the future. So we have that responsibility to show up for ourselves and our history so that we can be more of a positive point of attraction in the present. The idea that we manifest bad things is something that's tricky because I don't want listeners to think, oh, every time I have a bad thought that I'm going to attract it. It's not, that's not true. It's when you bring momentum, as Abraham would say, bring momentum to those thoughts. Just to clarify, we keep re referencing Abraham Hicks. Uh, Esther Hicks is a channel who channels these spirits called Abraham. And Abraham are the greatest teachers of the law of attraction. And the book, The Secret, which many people are aware of, is based on the principles of Abraham. So I just want to clarify, you know. We're, we're <laughs> I, I, I would argue yeah. that that Seth Speaks is the original one. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> and, and, then, and, and either are either Seth or Abraham the originator? No, I mean, these messages and principles. Yeah, true universal. I think that uh, probably most most well-known would be the secret. And this is what people are really re would reference most frequently, but to give voice to Seth and Abraham for bringing these messages forth. Uh, so when we talk about that, what, it's not, a, oh, I had a bad thought, right? That I'm going to now manifest. It's, I have this negative thought and I keep thinking this negative thought and I keep thinking this negative thought. And as Abraham says, uh, belief is just a thought that you keep thinking. So if we're going to just repeat that thought. We bring momentum to it. We bring energy to it. And that's when it starts to manifest. So it, one bad thought here and there isn't going to create that much momentum. It's when it starts to take over mm -hmm. that it starts to show up in our life. I think it's because we're, we're as, as a human society, conditioned to, to always think negative. So the habit we create in that is, I don't know how long, in the book it says it's like 60 or 70 days to break a habit. So if you're thinking negatively for 60 or 70 days, that's instilled in you. So it becomes natural to your way of thinking. It comes natural to your personality, your persona and everything else. So I always use myself as a reference and I study myself and everything that's bad has ever happened to me. I can trace it back to a consistent thought, the way I was feeling my anxieties, my depressions, everything else in my life. And I couldn't fit, like, for example, I used to go out to, you know, party or whatever, but it, I, I, I had broken up from a previous relationship. So I was feeling bitter about myself and about the situation. And I would attract more people who felt bitter about themselves too. And it would just be a cluster mess of bitterness on the law of attraction. Um, and what I started to do was I started to look in the mirror for, you know, I don't know, 
five minutes a day and just smile. And I said, this is the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life. But that was the point of, I wasn't taking myself too seriously. And I get, managed to transform, you know, 20 negative thoughts a day to 15 to five to, you know, one or two. And then it started turning the needle from zero to two positive, four positive, you know, 10 positive. And now when something negative comes in, I can kind of wash it off because there's more positivity thoughts in my, in my life as conditioning, as a, um, a habit, should I say. There's the habit of the positive thinking and there's the habit of the undoing of the negative thinking. Yes. You, those are two, two habits that you established that are working well for you. I think that's really the key is it's not that we aren't going to have negative thoughts, not that we're not going to have negative experiences, but it's how do we show up for those experiences with a different perspective. That's a conditioning. That's a reconditioning. You made the best point, which is we live in a world that is based on fault finding, fear, separation, judgment, attack, quite the opposite of the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of undoing to live. I, I often say that I've been on a journey of remembering love, undoing fear and remembering love, because it's not that we lost that part of ourselves that I actually refer to it as a super attractor. That's, that's that part of ourselves has the ability to manifest and attract what we want. We never lost that. We just forgot it was there. We built up all these fear-based belief systems against it. When you start to build up a spiritual practice, a personal growth practice, a manifesting practice, you begin to dismantle those belief systems that are in the way of that truth, that, that genuine truth, that super attractor power. Absolutely. I've, I've been, um, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm not religious, but I've been studying cause I, cause I, I had this thirst for knowledge. Um, can, I'm always reading. I'm, I always want to learn. And the more I learn, the, I, the more I realize I don't know anything about anything anymore, but it's, it's from a place of, I, I feel comfortable with that. I'm excited about not knowing things because no one knows anything about anything and anyone who says they do doesn't really. Um, and I've been uh, reading this book, which is solely the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't about Christianity, which, you know, didn't exist when Jesus was alive. Um, or it was the kind of new religiousness that he brought to the teachings of the, of the existing religions that were out at the time. And as someone who understands full manifestation, I mean, I don't know anyone in history who has been told from birth that you are the son of God, but has also been, you know, taught to, for, to have compassion, to lead with mm -hmm. the heart, to, to have love and, and everything else. I don't know any human that's ever had that type of conditioning growing up from, from a child to, you know, mid thirties and to studying the, 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 you know, he, he healed people just by touching them or by setting an intention to them. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, obviously for someone who understands manifestation and everything else, seeing him or, or reading about him and his teachings is like, wow, he was literally the, the, the old school Superman. You know, mm -hmm. he, he raised people from the dead and there's never, ever been anyone in existence. So obviously you have Buddha and stuff who's more head driven and kind of fixing the mind and everything else, which worked for him. But I don't know anyone. And, and that is more vindication for me that manifestation is real because we've never experienced someone on that level. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important to recognize that we all do have the power within us to alchemize, to transform and to, to shape shift even with our 
energetic field and with our intentions. But like I said earlier, and that's really sounds quite heady. So I want to ground it, but we have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for. So we may not identify as having being Jesus, but we have a Jesus within us. We have the pres that presence of spiritual power within us. So when we become to use the reference of Jesus, when we become more Christ-minded or miracle-minded, we then begin to affirm that part of who we are, that all-powerful presence of who we are that can indeed heal ourselves from a physical condition through through the energetic changes that happen in our in our nervous system because of the power of our faith and our belief systems that we can change the energy of a room by bringing presence that we can ex extend love through the written word or through a podcast like this so while we may not be placing our hands on people and healing them we all have the power to heal through the power of our thoughts and our intentions here i was like talking about jesus like alchemizing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally if that if that's not a sign. <laughs> there we go. We can just jump right back in. Let me make sure you have my right audio. Um, that was wild. And I'm toggling on my phone at the moment, but so let's jump in and see, let's see what we can do here. I saved half of the recording too. I'm sure you saved yours. So I have, I have, oh, yeah, yeah. I have it on recording on Zoom and I have this um, Roadcaster Pro Thing. send that to me because i need backup recording all the time so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. amazing it's like you can plug in like four mics and four headphones into this one machine and you can record it without a computer or anything you can do oh yeah, yeah. i need that thing i want that thank you absolutely so um, while i was we can bring this into the podcast just let me know when you're recording <laughs> done, done. Um, yeah you can hear that okay yeah. um well, we were talking about ch channeling Jesus and then the internet went out, everything blacked out in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back. So I, that was a message. Uh, and it's interesting, actually, that the first question you had for me was about A Course in Miracles because A Course in Miracles is Jesus being channeled through this woman, Helen Shookman, who was a therapist, uh, studied psychology, I believe, I don't want to get this wrong, but she was having, they were having a bunch of trouble in their department. And she pretty much said, you know, there has to be a better way in her own voice was channeling a miracle, asking for a miracle, and then very quickly started to channel the voice of Jesus. Can you hear the rain, by yeah. the way? No, I can't actually. Oh man, it is real serious. So we'll, we'll get as much of this podcast in as we can. Anyway, so it's just interesting that you were studying this book about Jesus because, and then you asked about the course. So I want to actually identify that as, as a manifesting moment for you, because there's obviously, and you were reading this part of my bio. I'm like, where did he get that bio? Because I don't really, in my bio, we send out, I don't write about a course in miracles. So I want you to recognize there's no accident in what the order of this conversation has already gone in something for you about studying Jesus. So take it or leave it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, see, I, I, I read between the lines, you know, everyone's like, you know, well, he came back from the dead. He's this, 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 but the level of belief that this guy had in himself without a shadow of a doubt, even asking his disciples to take off your shoes, leave all your belongings, follow me. You will not go hungry. You will not want for anything. And upon him, 
you know, he even predicted his own death. He said, you know, he knew that he was going to be the way he was going to be killed and everything else. And they didn't like everywhere they traveled, they were fed everywhere they traveled. They had somewhere to stay. That level of surrender, I don't think has ever existed in a human being ever. I know people, you know, you have this egotistical trip of I am a, I am a God or I am King or all these type of things. But in terms of the level that he actually operated from, I don't think it has ever existed in a, another human being ever. I think that's why, why we understand time now as, you know, 2021 after Christ or, you know, religious time, should we say, because the guy was super powerful. And I just feel like his teachings are probably a little lost in religion. Yeah. And that's actually back to, to the course when A Course in Miracles focuses on the uh, the belief is that Jesus came through this woman to tell the tr- tell the real story that only love is real mm-hmm. that forgiveness is the miracle that undoing of some of the 10,000 iterations of the bible take yeah. it or leave it yeah. And I've actually just, there's this other book. I mean, again, again, I'm not religious at all. I'm, I'm a practical spiritual person, um, you know, and this, there's this mini kind of Bible. I mean, I didn't realize there's like a thousand books on the Bible. That's obviously, that's my British sarcasm or over, overreaching. It's like 20 or something. Um, and it basically just says what the book is about, what's in it, who's in it, and what's the message of that book. And I'm literally reading that now. And I realized, wow, the, the Bible is full of, you know, wars and, and death and so many things. And I'm like, I do not enjoy this book, but I love the teachings of Jesus. There you go. Then you, my friend, are going to love A Course in Miracles. Okay. I, I just, there's no, I'm telling you, you're going to text message me. I'll give you my number. You're going to text me in like three weeks and be like, holy shit. This is really <laughs> Follow Marianne Williamson's book, uh, A Return to Love. That maybe is even a beautiful place to begin because it's she's often called it the cliff notes of A Course in Miracles. So it's a really, and it's just a transformational book. It, it was a huge catalyst on the early days of my spiritual growth. Absolutely. Let's talk about, I mean, again, because on this manifestation tip, I, you know, I feel like some, you're someone that I can really dive in spiritually deeply to kind of, you know, bring a, a, a wider education to, 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 especially to my listeners, as well as, you know, yours as well. Um, the kind of stereotypes behind, I feel like we need to get rid of the notion of, you know, man, woman, labeling things for things that they, they aren't. So like the stereotype between a woman is not created by women. You know, for example, you know, because I have an 18 uh, month old daughter. So it's like, you know, she, you know, it's the stereotype of, oh, she should love pink or she should play with dolls or she should like, where does this notion come from? It's almost like, you know, the, you know, the war on, on drugs brings more drugs because it's the lack of that you're focused on rather than the actual solution to those problems. Um, I'd love to dive a little bit on, on that with you. You know, when you see, when you, when you read about, you know, like equal pay for women, we have to get rid of the notion of what a woman actually is first. I think that's so fascinating because I actually have a two-year-old son, so we got to get the get the gang together when we're in the same state. Uh, so witnessing my son, it's funny. I said to my son's nanny, I said, "This guy's wild. You know, he's he loves to run. He's doing all this crazy crap." And, <laughs> and I was like, "What's it like to have a girl?" She's like, 
they play with dolls and they are quiet and they like tea parties. And I was like, really? And so some of it is programming and some of it's also just hormonal. It's, 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 it's biochemical. It's just, it's just the makeup of our brain, right? So the female brain is a unique thing. (laughs) And so it's, it's not about pink and dolls, but more about just the temperament and how we, as, as beings become who we are. But to your point, there's obviously been a tremendous amount of programming and conditioning that has created the separation of, of women versus men, racial separation, all of the injustices that we witness in this day and age and forever have, are, are really just, as A Course in Miracles would say, tiny mad ideas and they went wrong. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, just like in the manifesting, it's like a bad idea begets another bad idea begets another bad idea, which becomes racism. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always operating from that, that, that place of lack of. It's like, it's like, um, correct. And yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say in terms of, especially for those specifics, cause I see, you know, the, the, all the, the police gun crime and everything else. And I know it's going to get worse because the focus is on the lack of rather than the solution, the programs that are helping these, these situation or the education behind the power we all possess as individuals, as well as a collective. It's, uh, it's like, you know, when, um, everyone over here was, was, was protesting, which I loved. I think everyone coming together for a common good is amazing. If they would have sat down and meditated at, on that one focus of what they want to change, then tick it off again. What's, what's the today's focus? Cause med- as you know, meditation is one focus, whether it's focusing on no mind or it's, or it's anything and watching the news or watching social media or any type of thing. That's one focus. That's you meditating on that specific thing. That's why I don't watch the news anymore because it just makes you unhappy. Yeah. And, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to empower through conversations like this, the people around me. And that's what I'm doing as the solution to educating everyone around me to see uh, themselves in a better light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think also the, the revolution that we've seen, you and I are recording this day, a day after the results of the George Floyd trial, the, you know, the world is different. I believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, I really do. When I do believe it is different. I don't think that it's that, that this is the end of racism, unfortunately, but I do think that there are shifts occurring. There are, uh, there are, there are major energetic adjustments happening globally. And often I think that we have to, to your point, decide how we're going to show up with our activism because these days, everybody's the media. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a way of speaking out. And you have to decide what part of me is speaking out. Is this a part of me that's a triggered part of me? Or is this a part of me that is my adult resourced self? Because when we speak on behalf of whatever it is that we believe in, it'll have a much more powerful impact when it comes from that adult resourced self. So that that's a whole whole deeper look at the ways that we've been showing up for these injustices in the world and we all have to 
look, it's so triggering. And, and my black friends that, you know, it's like, I look at them and, and they're, they'll say, you know, you have no idea what it's like to be a black person. Right. I have no idea. I was, I'm a white woman. I, you know, I grew up with the privilege of being a white woman. We have no idea, but to, to show up in the truth of the conversation with an energy of adult resourced self it's very different than showing up from a place of, you know, being triggered wherever you are in the conversation. Absolutely. Sorry, I want to tangent with that, but you know, you're seeing so many shifts. And I think that, to, I think I'm, I'm just expanding on your point of meditation in the midst of all of this crisis is that the more grounded resource parts of us that we bring to these conversations, the more of an impact we will make. Yes. Beautifully said. I love that. Um, so, I mean, would it be safe to say uh, in terms of in manifestation per se of our physical the way we look because we you know we've never seen ourselves with our own eyes we've seen a reflection of ourselves that's the way we feel about ourselves so we can't comprehend how other people see us so obviously abraham talks about it and, and seth speaks about it too um you know the way you look is the way you feel about yourself it's a physical manifestation of the way you feel um, mm-hmm. And again, if we talk about manifest, we have to talk about everything on every level. Because I always see these posts of, you know, you can't control the outside world. Well, you can. You mm-hmm. can control the outside world, your outside world from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see, you know, I don't see negativity anymore. I don't see. And to be honest, I'm pretty much a hermit now, which I kind of secretly love. COVID for me has been quite an enjoyable experience. Obviously having a new baby and everything else. I'm my own social experiment because I can control my my existence mm-hmm. basically in my office in my room because that's the energy that allows me to and i can drum up business by people knocking on my door because i let myself go of how i think it's going to come to me right i think to echo what you're saying it's not that we can actually change our experiences but we can change our experience of our experiences so in your case, it's not that you could change that you were not a new dad in the midst of a pandemic. Okay. That's, that's, that could be tough. Or in your case, you decided, no, I'm going to take advantage of this experience. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go deep burn my spiritual root, roots and practices. And I'm going to let the universe show me what to do. All of this is a beautiful example of the law of attraction and, and the power of positive thinking and the choices that we make. It's a lot easier for you and I with the white privilege that we have back to that, with also just having had whatever we've had to support us to be like, you know what, I'm going to let this pandemic be a growth opportunity, which is the same thing for me, by the way, same exact experience. And that's no small thing, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult if you're like a single mom with three children and you just lost your job and you're just like, how the hell am I going to get through this? Right. So, so in, but in every moment, regardless of the circumstances, we all still have the same job, which is what are we going to lean into? And for some of us, it might be easier. And so actually for those of us where the opportunity to lean into the power of positive thinking is easier, we have to do it. Like it's our responsibility. Am I making sense here? Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't condition myself as, as someone who's privileged. I mean, you know, I'm Syrian. So, I mean, after nine 11 happened, like my name, you know, I have Mohammed in my name. I was fucked from traveling. You couldn't yeah. even travel anywhere, but I didn't, I didn't feed into that. That was part, I was part of a solution of changing the way I felt about myself. It's not the religion or the, the culture that was attacked. It, it was individuals, even though the mass media, pro, you know, pro, produced those things. 
But in terms of, you know, me growing up, I was, you know, my mom was a single parent with five kids. I saw prostitution. I saw drugs, I saw all that type of stuff. But for me, it, I wouldn't change any of it. I loved those experiences because because I love where I'm at now. And if 1% of those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I'm at. But also I understand the accountability of it because, you know, I could only understand, my, my, you know, when my mom was a single parent with five kids, I could only understand her mental state at that time. Now right. I can. I couldn't understand it as a child, obviously. And we talk about it and, and she starts to realize the way she felt at that time was exactly where she was supposed to be based on the way she felt. She just didn't understand the power that she possessed. Right. And I guess that's back to the same, to back, right back, circle back to that same point, which is that wherever our background may be, we got to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we, we got there either through the power of thinking what we wanted to create or the power of thinking what we didn't want to create for, I guess, when I speak of the privilege of our circumstances in this moment, right. There's, there's the mother, like your, like your mother, who is single parent with five children doing the best that she can. And now in retrospect, you can see, oh, wow, she was really suffering. And that was not easy for that woman, for that person in that situation. Now that's maybe listening, there may be more outside obstacles. It may feel a lot harder to lean into love. It may feel much more they may feel like offensive to even talk about like, you know, with the power of positive thinking, screw you, how could I do that? But I want to remind that listener that is where their true power lies. When you feel powerless, the only thing you can remember is where your power lies, which is within your belief systems. So the the privilege I was re referring to earlier, it was our privilege of the sort of like being entrepreneurs that maybe were in a place where we could could be hermits or whatever it was, right? In the case of that person who's gone through this experience differently, they still had the same power within them, which is to turn inward, even though there may be bigger obstacles outside of them in this moment. Mm -hmm. So we all have that. We all have that power within us, no matter what our circumstances. And some of the greatest stories of recovery, much like yours, right? Living, being brought up with challenging experiences. And myself, I suffered from childhood sexual abuse and going through uh, some 16 years sober now, dealing with lots of different mental illness issues, all of the things that I went through and all the things that you went through, to your point, when brought to the, the lens of love through our own commitment to grow, could be transformed into good. Mm -hmm. There, that that I totally agree with what you said just before. I can look back in my history and say, thank you for all of it. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. I mean, you articulate things so well. I love it. I'm, I'm pretty practical and can be quite stern. Um, and I've learned that, you know, I, I, I actually, for example, the natural trait of a child I think I've learned a lot through my daughter of how she acts naturally to her without a second thought, without, you know, and, and obviously Jesus's teachings, it says the same thing as we, we should look to children to show us the way. Um, and, you know, she would be in a park recently and see another toy that she wants and she'd go and take it. <laughs> and, and, and I would say, well, that's a natural instinct for a child is or, you know, mine. It's like the selfishness of it. Um, so now I'm selfish with my time. I'm selfish with who, who I, who I hang out with. I'm selfish with, you know, who I have zoom calls with, 
because I, I, I understand that I am the creator of everything I see. So therefore, I, no outside influences need to even be involved in me. And I don't need anyone else to get to where I need to be. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of that surrendering that you spoke about earlier in terms of manifestation. Um, I want to dive a little bit on dreams. I mean, because I, I, I kind of ask every guest this and every obviously every answer is different. Um, is there a prominent dream that you have or something that resonates with you? Um, a perfect example is a dream that I talk about a ton on the show is when, when I, 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 we talk about the pandemic, when, when I had my daughter, I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to go back into an office. And then I ended up leaving my job a day before the pandemic hit. And I was like, wow, you literally got what you asked for. But then when I got what I asked for, I was a little taken back because I've been doing it for so long. It was me. It, it felt like me. You know, you're doing it for six years. You're working with the biggest songwriters and producers and artists in the world. And then it stopped. And so I, I, I was kind of, I lost a little who, of who I was. And I had this dream of, I don't like open doors in my house um, at all. I guess it's a respect thing. And the, the laundry room was open in my dream. And I went to close it and it was dark. And someone grabbed my arm and wouldn't let go. And mm. I was like, oh, shit. And I, I, and I was screaming, but I couldn't make a noise. And I was trying to, but I couldn't move. And then I woke up like, oh, okay, you need to let go. Mm. And I instantly knew that I needed to let go of that. And the minute I did, opportunities started arising jobs that I didn't even think about happening. Cause I think about abundance. I don't think about a specific thing in abundance. Abundance to me is health and, you know, love and, you know, family and wealth and everything that creates freedom for you to me is abundance. So that was kind of my, my definitive dream. And I kind of have those regularly or well, irregularly when I, when I feel a type of way, I'd love to know if there's like a defining dream or a moment in, in a dream that you can kind of relate to or something you can kind of share right now. Yeah. I mean, one of the scariest dreams of my life was actually a memory when, when we have a dissociated trauma, they can sometimes come back in dreams. When I was 36 years old, I was having panic attacks and physical symptoms and gastrointestinal symptoms and numbness in my arms and freak outs. And I was, didn't realize it, but I was cracking into a memory that I had dissociated from, from my childhood. And when I was uh, 36, I was in LA for work. I had a, I was presenting a talk with, with actually with, with Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra. The next, that was what I had to do the next day. That night I went to sleep in LA, woke up in the morning to having woke up as if I was still in the dream. And the dream was remembering the trauma. Mm -hmm. Woke up, I was like, that was the most real thing I've ever known. And I had to work that night. So I was like, nope, <laughs> pushing that down. And days later in my therapy, I accepted the truth of that dream. So I want to acknowledge dreams as a place where sometimes the impermissible can be revealed. And that dream, while it was the most terrifying experience of my life, it revealed to me an opening for greater recovery. I couldn't, I couldn't recover more unless I uncovered that truth. You know, why did I use? Why was I a drug addict? Why was I a work addict? Why was I a love addict? What, why were all these, why was I so fucked up? <laughs> and that dream revealed it to me. 
And that set me on a much deeper path of personal growth and even deeper spiritual awakening, which I've been on since then. I'm 41 now. So that, you know, that was a turning point for me. So yeah, dreams, listen, I dream so much. I have the craziest dreams. I sleep 10 hours a night and I like go to like the weirdest places in my dreams. Sometimes I think they're, they're just, uh, like I said, unconscious, kind of unconscious, underdeveloped feelings that are just manifesting in the dream state. And sometimes it's just whatever I was watching before I went to bed. So, but, but dream, dreams do reveal so much for us and they can be a conduit through which we remember, uh, dissociated memories that we might've shut down. Absolutely. Um, I, w- I want to talk about because I know you talk about it a ton. Um, what, what's what's your um, key to happiness? Should I say because everyone's chasing happiness, but I don't think it's something that you can chase. I think it's something that that happens, you know, for a natural state of of like right now. I've never been more content. Never been more. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say specifically happy because I feel like it's something that is just. It's quite spontaneous. It's not something that you kind of, you know, oh, I'm happy now. Um, but it's something like, for example, I meditated yesterday and I came out of that meditation. I was like, wow, that was so nice. That was such a great meditation. And for me, you know, my key for happiness is appreciation of thankful for the fact that I have water or the microscopic levels of the things I have in my life, as well as, you know, the, the way I think or the way I p- portray things, should I say, or the way I represent myself. What, what, what's kind of your key to happy, uh, keys to happiness and, and what processes um, would you say help you to achieve those? Well, I think I've been on a journey for my entire life to become steady. So happiness for me is being steady, being grounded, being, feeling at ease because that's, that's a energy of presence because when I'm in this present moment with you, I can be happy. When I'm in this present moment with my son, I can be happy. When I'm in the present moment cooking, I can have a good time doing it. Fun comes out of the presence of being in the experience of what's happening in front of you and free from a yesterday's fight or tomorrow's issues or whatever. I believe that any spiritual or personal growth practice just bring, is really designed to bring you closer to that presence. When uh, I started studying uh, somatic experiencing therapy and as it's otherwise known as SE by this man created by Peter Levine. And there's this element of SE that refers to the felt sense. And the best way I would describe the felt sense is the, for me, it was like I was standing down at, my driveway and I started to smell fall coming on. I noticed the trees were changing colors and I felt into that feeling of excitement and peace of fall is coming. So that sensation, that sense that you have when you hear your daughter laughing and it just feels like this heart opening moment. So the more I can ground myself in those experiences of that felt sense, the more happy I am. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, and what you described there was basically the difference between action and, and activity. You know, activity is kind of, you know, scrolling on social media and 
and, and or someone uses the perfect example of you know washing the dishes as a chore or you know being the action of the dishes of the water running down the warm water the bubbles the sound of the water running down the and that's the the, the what you described as being present um uh i i, I have just one more question because I, th- I feel like i can i can go there with you what's your thoughts on on life after life and i kind of came across this um it's almost like I, I, uh, we were talking about fall and, you know, spring or summer's kind of upon us. And I have a tree outside my house, which, which blooms beautiful pink flowers. And, and, but during the, the winter months, it's like barren. It looks like horrible. Um, and I, and I, I, went, I went out there yesterday, actually, and the, the green leaves have started to slowly come back. And I had someone on my show, um, Dr. Jim Tucker, who talks about the reincarnational lives in children, who children have memories of, some children have memories of past lives. And um, I came up with, obviously, I thought about the leaves on a tree. Are, are they the same leaves that have died and come back? Or are they the reincarnational leaves of the same life, just in new form? And I was like, holy shit, this is kind of kind of cool. What's your kind of thoughts on on life after life? I don't like to put opposites on anything. I have a belief system that when we pass, we enter into the spiritual realm and we have a new job, which is to be a guide in a spiritual form. I believe that our deceased loved ones and family members are our spirit guides. I believe in angels. I believe in in, in ancestors. I do believe that we can make a choice to come back into the body or we can be done and stay in that spiritual space. Coming back in the form of uh, in a reincarnation, the, the stories, I've heard countless stories and my mentor, my late mentor, Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote a, a lot about, uh, he wrote an entire book about these young children talking about their experience of, of remembering, uh, or even speaking about their last life, his daughter, I believe it was his daughter, Serena, who's a friend of mine, spoke in Vietnamese, I think. I can't remember if this is exactly it, but when she was a little girl, she was fluent. Like she would sometimes come out in these outbursts in another language. So these are these are not uncommon stories. And in fact, I think they should be more recognized. I believe that in our human form, we build up such a veil between the spiritual realm and the human realm. And if we can just lift that veil, life is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I live in a way where I don't live here alone in this body doing my thing. When I write a book, I write a book with all the entities and spirit guides around me, Dr. Dyer and my posse. When I get on a stage, I'm a motivational speaker. I get on a stage, I welcome my guides to stand with me. A presence beyond me can come through. When you work in music, that energy is moving through you. Any musician knows what it means to channel. They know, they know, and that, and that I believe is spirit. And that is that is the spirit of your grandmother. That is the spirit of, uh, of, of, of Jesus might be working through you, guiding you to learn more about Jesus now that we all have spirit guides. And that is a place that we go to when we're done here. I, I know that for myself, I don't push that on anybody. In fact, in my latest book, super attractor, I wrote about, uh, lifting the veil. And I talked about, I, for the first time, I kind of, um, came out of the spiritual closet a bit more and, push the metaphysical envelope with my, with a lot of conversation around spirit guides and, and how to connect to them. That's beautiful. Which path would you choose? 
which path would I choose to uh, come know. back? Or- <laughs> yeah. I always I had this conversation. I always. I might, there. I might stay there. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. but really, it's often our soul. So I do believe that our soul has a, has a commitment to come back if there's more that we need to learn. And then there's lifetime. There can come a lifetime where we have come to understand and know what that spiritual truth means to us. And they, therefore, we may not need to come back into the physical form to learn more. And in these physical, I believe that we're spirits having a human experience, that we're all spirits. We're just in these human bodies to serve each other and to remember love. And I also am starting to see the innocence in so many people in a way that I never was able to before. Being a mother has helped, but also my own, some of my bigger personal growth moments have helped me just see through the lines of compassion with a deeper sense and being able to see the spirit in people, even, even the, the people who have done the most harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of that acceptance and that seeing, you know, cause it's like family members who kind of piss you off cause they don't think the way you think it's, it's, it's the only way they're linked to you is by family. Because if the laws of attraction, if they weren't linked to you, they wouldn't be in your life. But then, then it's that realization of accepting them for who they are and loving them for that. And then it kind of, as you said, the veil kind of, you know, comes down. Um, Gabby, you're amazing. I think you, your mind is beautiful. Your soul is beautiful. I think the way you speak about these things is just mind blowing. Um, and Seth says, you know, people come, there's, there's this group of people called speakers, whether, you know, Abraham and Seth. And I feel like you're probably one of them of people who come and spread the the message of, you know, not necessarily why we're here. I don't think anything's predetermined. I feel like the situations you're born in is to learn. Um, Specifically, you know, uh, Jim Tucker spoke about a a kid who was uh, born in Idaho, who was a Hollywood, um, you know, dancer and actor and everything else. And I asked him, what did, did he give any inclination of why he came back? And he said, yeah, he was very greedy in a previous life. And he came back in this new life for humble beginnings um, in terms of the initial teaching. But I, I want to thank you so much. I think what you preach is, is incredible. Um, I know it's helped me listening to, to, to you on a daily basis and everything else. And I cannot thank you enough. I think that you're awesome. I DM'd you a while back and was like, your podcast is one of my favorite podcasts because you're speaking my language. <laughs> so heady and so uh, so metaphysical and esoteric and I love it. And I'm really thrilled to have connected with you and also grateful to these podcast interviews because I feel like I establish friendships with people. So I hope that we can be friends and I can get our kids together. Um, <laughs> Please. I mean, she, had, she's, she needs friends. I'm like, she's like, she oh, has man. friends. Oh my God. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's going to be this, uh, this whole new generation of kind of solo kids. I mean, maybe they won't remember. I mean, she's pretty, pretty, you know, I do meet some kids in the park who are, won't even come near anyone. Um, yeah. She's not that. Yeah. My but- kid, we've just started taking him out, <laughs> bringing him out of the house, letting him out. That guy has been just really wanting to be social. He is such a social dude and he's like goes wild when he sees people. He's Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, I mean, I feel like things are now opening up. So, and people's energies are opening, opening up and everything else. Um, but I have seen like, cause my daughter loves to hug things. 
So if she sees an ant on the floor, she'll be like, oh, baby, and hug the ant. And I'm like, well, you probably, you know, you shouldn't do that because you're probably going to kill it. But um, and she'll um, she'll hug any child she sees. Yeah. And she, she loves the mums, too. She'll hug mums. Um, and some you see some parents like as she's going to hug them, they're they're dragging their baby. No, we're still social distancing. And I'm like, that's right. It's so strange. Listen, I was at the I went to the park the other day. Uh, with my kid and I saw a mom that I know and I was like, you know, so excited to see her and she was she wasn't wearing a mask and no one when the park was wearing masks. It was just like everybody's getting vaccinated now. So I was like, I guess and I had my mask around my neck and I was like, I guess no one's wearing a mask. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. And so I walked up to her and they're like, oh, okay. And she was with some friends. And she's like, oh, we're gonna go see the horses now. And I was like, oh great, Oliver and I will come. And I they like shrunk back and held onto each other and just couldn't be far enough away from me. And at the time I didn't get it. I just felt so rejected. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. Why? And then I realized like, oh, they, they're half vaccinated. They've been in this bubble together. They don't, you know, they, they're, 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 they're traumatized and they're, they're just, they don't, they don't know how to reintegrate quite yet. And yes. Now I can see it through compassion. For a few days, I was like, that girl, I'm like, is it because she's a 30-year-old mom and I'm a 41-year-old mom? You know, I was like, oh. I'm pissed about it. But, you know, it's 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 a real thing. We're going to have a lot of um, undoing now. Okay. And that's why I'm it's the habits. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you said that because I, I'm not judgmental and I've like, you know, I'm on social media, but I'm not on social media. I'm not like in, in, immersed in anyone's, in anyone's lives or anything. It's none of my business. No one makes me judge more than being on a children's playground. And people talk about it all the time. And I was like, I'll never be that mom. And then I came home and I was like, said to my husband, I'm like, I got mom shamed. <laughs> Literally, I'm like the most judgmental person. I'm like, and, and I judged that, that mom for dragging her, her child away when my daughter was trying to hug her. But you're like, I understand the fear element of it. I, I, I understand it because I can remove myself from it um and separate myself from it i'm not consumed by it. it's something that's happening but it's not gonna you know that type of stuff and then i've obviously seen her over the weeks and accepted and then they've got closer and she's seen us and you know she understands that we're in the park and she hasn't caught anything yet so yeah. i think that this thing but it's beautiful because i mean at a certain time it's all the kind of under twos that are there in the mornings at like the 9 a.m which are about 8 39 and they're all just there playing and you can see them kind of trying to figure out how I'm supposed to be in the natural life amongst other kids and taking toys. I think it's, it's hilarious. I, I want to shoot a documentary just on these kids. Yeah. The, the two-year-olds that lived through COVID, that would be an interesting documentary. <laughs> yes. But try and follow them for the next 20 years to see if there's any. What happened. But all these kids, you know, we'll just pray for everybody that, that we can do our best to move out of this and, and follow and follow the, the practices that we do for ourselves, because the best gift we can give our children is to continue to develop ourselves and heal through this experience. Absolutely. And I cannot wait for your new show. I'm going to be subscribing and, and tuning in. Every, when, when does it drop? It's well, this, this will be out. It's dropping Monday, April 26th. Oh, there we go. Is it every Monday or is every it? Monday, dear Gabby, I'll be coaching people live doing dear gabbing them people there we go Dro dropping bombs spiritual bombs so many bombs it's yes. made yeah I'm, I'm 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 just so psyched man it's so exciting you're gonna love it it's such a different i mean the, the podcast community is super supportive mm -hmm. um it's nothing i've ever experienced before and you know different in music you know you ask someone you know let's get this artist in with that artist it's like no podcasting mm -hmm. is like some different kettle of fish mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I can already feel that. I got a text, like a group text today from, from one of my podcaster friends and it's like all the support for it. And it's just, yeah, I already know that's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for supporting me here. <laughs>